to Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. Um, because the 40, uh, according to everybody, the 49ers had tree outs. I mean, tryouts. Um, so everyone make sure you're at the tree outs. The good old tree outs. You got to be at the tree outs. You can't miss yeah. the tree outs. If, you, teach, if, if you've watched... Uh, they can teach me the football? Yeah. Teach, at the tree I'll outs? teach you the football. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Thank God for that. If you've watched The Longest Yard, you know exactly what we're talking about. 100%. Can of corn. That's all I need. Can of corn. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'll be fine. But yeah, we got some interesting topics. Some people are, uh, you know, talking about things, all things 49ers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, today's practice. So we're going to get a even better glimpse of how the 49ers are going to be situated this week. Um, who's going to be out there, who's not, and it's, who's getting close. And still a lot of questions, right? Still so many questions to be answered. D Ford status, what's going on there? Is there anything happening with Dre Greenlaw? Is there good news on the on the horizon? Uh, how bad is Emmanuel Mosley's knee? And is it one week? Is it two weeks? Is it the rest of the season until playoffs? Where's Muhammad Sanu? Yeah, what is happening with Muhammad Sanu? I mean, there's so many great storylines that are going to come from today's practice. But there's already a lot of good, juicy things going on that we can talk about, not even based on practice, because there was no practice yesterday, but just based on 49ers news and information. Yeah. And the first thing, right? The very first thing that we have to talk about, Ant, uh, is the running back moves that they made. And they didn't really do anything crazy, but they did uh, have the tree outs, like like you talked about, and they did work out three names, three guys, Jeremy Cox, Dexter Williams, and someone that I had mentioned in the pod in kind of passing towards the end because I'm yeah. still in the Todd Gurley camp in terms of getting, give, give the man a phone call at least, Brian Hill. Brian Hill actually came in for a workout. Um, I'm not, I'm a little surprised by it, but you pulled up some of the numbers and you pulled up some of the stats and I, and I did as well. He actually has been producing pretty well. Yeah, Brian Hill is the one that makes the most sense if you're looking at the numbers uh, because he's a guy that's averaging well over four yards a carry for two straight two, for two straight seasons, one at 4.1 and one at, what, 4.9, I believe? Correct. Um, and, so, those, and that's with 75-plus carries. Yeah, he had 100 carries the last season, so he's averaging you know 4.9 yards per carry. That's pretty good. Um, you're at least feeling comfortable about that, but he hasn't been able to stick on a roster. And when you're coming off an injury and you can't stick to a roster, there's usually a reason why you can't stick to a roster. Now, I understand why he didn't stick to Cleveland because of, you know, the running back room that they have there. It's hard to break in. Uh, but, yeah, the 49ers are in dire straits if they don't have Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Jr. Because the way Field Yates is making it sound is like maybe the 49ers won't have um, Jeff Wilson Jr. either. However, I from what Kyle Shannon said on Monday during his call, conference call with reporters, he expected Jeff Wilson Jr. to practice. So we're going to find out today if Jeff Wilson Jr. is out there. And if Jeff Wilson Jr. is a full participant in practice, I feel a lot more comfortable about this running back room. Because if you have Jeff Wilson Jr., Jermichael Hasty, you can sign one of these guys as more of an emergency type guy, especially to the practice squad, elevate them, have them capable in case you need them. But uh, yeah, th- this is not exactly the, the coolest names that you could possibly get. And Jeremy Cox is interesting because he's absolutely huge. Um, and that's fact, what you, you you mentioned that he was what a fullback at one point yeah they listed him as a fullback at one point he's 235 pounds um so this is a similar way the 49ers handled it before right when they brought in guys they would bring in some you know some of the quicker more agile backs and then one big bruising back um 
could they, man. could they be preparing for a possible no Jeff Wilson Jr. by bringing in another physical runner and using him in that in that role? Absolutely. They, they absolutely could be. Yeah. Um, this is going to be very interesting to see what it is. Um, you know, the Brian Hill numbers kind of surprised me. They took me by surprise because I didn't expect those numbers to be that good. I know he spent a, a good chunk of time with Atlanta, and I know that he had produced on a fairly decent basis. I mean, especially the last two years with all the injuries they had piling up in the running back room. Um, you know, him and Eo Smith both took a brunt of that load towards the end of the season. Um, and yeah, he, he did a fairly good job there. 175 carries over the last two seasons in Atlanta and a lot of positives. And he was the leading rusher for the Tennessee Titans in preseason uh, this year behind Derrick Henry until he got hurt and then went on IR and then they released him with an injury settlement. So, I mean, there's, there's opportunities and potential there. I think of the three names that we, that we just discussed in that field Yates had kind of talked about as the guys, the 49ers are bringing in. Brian Hill is probably, I would imagine, the lead horse just because he's got the pedigree that backs it. Um, and it is a temporary sort of thing for the 49ers yeah. right now that you're looking at. Uh, but today's practice is going to uh, open the door to a lot of uh, questions and a lot of potential answer- answers as well. Because, yeah, if Jeff Bolson's going, then then okay, it is what it is. If Elijah Mitchell's out there with a non-contact jersey and at least doing some things, then okay, well, maybe he's a little bit closer than we all think. Oh, he'll make it if that is the case. If he's practicing at all, he'll he'll make it. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. So we'll see where things are in that regard with the running back room. And there's also going to be a lot of things that come out of today's practice in terms of just how they're feeling about the cornerback room. The fact that they only brought in three running backs for workouts and didn't bring in a cornerback position, maybe they're trying to wait to see what happens. Maybe they feel comp- they feel comfortable with the conglomerate, with the conglomerate group, like the pieces they have and being able to maneuver things around um, and maybe after today's practice they won't feel that way or they'll be even more inclined to believe that they have the pieces to at least get through a week um, if they go into practice feeling comfortable with their situation I hope not uh, I, I I doubt they actually do I believe they're a little uncomfortable but they're trying to make do and, and they know they're gonna have to come up with a game plan that's going to protect these guys Kyle Shanahan has been pretty clear that Dante Johnson is going to be the guy and that he's hoping DeAngelo Lenore and Ombre Thomas push him um, so those guys have to push him in practice right now. Dante Johnson's the guy leading, and it doesn't surprise me. He's a guy that at least understands route concepts, understands where he's supposed to be, what this defense asks of him. That's why he continues to stick around the 49ers. I mean, he's like a cockroach. He doesn't go away. Accurate. Um, and you know what? We needed him last week, and he stepped up for the most part. I still worry about him in certain situations. This might be a game, though, that he can get it done for the 49ers against the Bengals. Um, because of the type of players that they're going against, am I worried about him one on one with Jamar Mar- or Jamar Taylor? Or Taylor, wrong guy. Jamar uh, Chase. Chase. Thank you. you. Too many Jamars. Um, I Jamars. almost went Jamar Marshall as well, who's a local guy. Um, track <laughs> Arizona State. That Straight. was where I was going first. Um, too many Jamars for me. There's a, there's a lot of Jamars. A lot of Jamars. I, I do like that name, however. Um, the one thing that threw me off though, Jamar Chase, two R's at the end. It's true. Um, so that threw me off a little bit. But anyways, back to him. Um, I don't want any one of our guys one-on-one with him. And I mean no one. Uh, he's he's fantastic. He beats, you know, uh, press coverage. So, yeah, we, we've got to figure out a way to disguise what we're going to do. we got to figure out a way to get these guys in situations where we get safety help or <laughs> linebacker help. You know, something else um, cause a little bit of issues for these guys. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think that they don't feel comfortable, um, but they know they got to roll with what they got. And there's no real options out there that are better than the current options that they have. Uh-huh. A hundred yeah. Yeah. There's nothing. There's really nothing. Um, and but this is why for me it's it's like I get I get why there's been no corner move because I just don't think there's a corner that exists out there in space. Um, but do you think they're done bringing in running backs? Because I don't. 
I don't know if they're done. I know you're bringing in th- you've brought in three names for workouts. I could see there being three or four new names today as well that they bring in and work out as well. They might just sign somebody else that they haven't brought in. Somebody Could. that was, you know, like a Chris Thompson or someone that was on the practice squad already. You already know what they're about. You already know what they can do. True. You could bring those guys in. Um, these were three guys you didn't know. So you're bringing them in, seeing what they could do. But you could bring somebody that you already had on the uh, 100% you could. Um, I mean, I mean, they're they're not against bringing in, who was it, Tyler Gaffney that they brought in last year? It's true. I um, about that. I'm yeah. sure he's available somewhere, so you could bring him in if you really felt like it. Um, Cathedral Catholic would love you know love that. They're going to be playing in the state championship here in California, so Accurate. one of their own. Um, but, yeah, that I, I think that there's anybody that they could sign it right, right now. Anyone could be on that roster. I think they were just taking a look at three guys and hoping that they were maybe better options than the guys they've already had in. However, it made more sense to me. This is just me. I don't know how you feel about this to bring in a guy you already had on the on the practice squad before because they would already understand the offense. I am in that same boat as you. It makes sense. The problem is, is I think of the names that they had in there. Um, the only one that feels like a a running back that could handle a workload would be Carry on Johnson. Uh, Chris Thompson has been primarily a third down receiving back. So if you bring him in. I, I don't know what role he's going to have in the offense because you have Jermichael Hasty. Right. So unless Hasty is becoming your every down back, and this no, guy's going to take over, that I, that's what I mean. So yeah. for me, it's like as much as Chris Tom, as much as I would love to have Chris Thompson in the Kyle Shanahan offense, and you know, I, I would just to the moon, to the moon with that. Uh, it just doesn't make sense with the pieces you already have here and what you actually need in the running back room, which is someone who can handle a workload and be a guy you can hand the ball off to fifteen times and be like, hey, it is what it is. You know, we're going to get three, four yards out of you uh, per carry, hopefully. And uh, yeah, we we move on. We move on. That's not what Chris Thompson is. I just think it's interesting that we haven't seen any of the veteran names. No True. Todd Gurley, no TJ Yeldon, no Kenyon Barner. None of those guys are even mentioned in the 49ers, you know, thought process. And usually this is the time of the year, you know, look at the Seattle Seahawks, look at um, the Baltimore Ravens. When they were suffering injuries, they went after a veteran option. A lot of veteran I, options. I think it's interesting yeah. the 49ers haven't went that route. Um, and the type of backs that they bring in as well. It's true. It's it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. They're looking for something specific, Ant. We're going to find out what that is. We're, we're going to find out what that is really yeah, I'm quick. I'm surprised Alfred Morris isn't the guy that they bring I'm, I'm shocked there hasn't even been a phone call or a report of a Maybe there call. has. Maybe there has been a phone call. And, he, maybe and the Niners just don't leak, and so we just don't know. Yeah, maybe he's just not interested. You know, Maybe he is Possibly. Done. Possibly. Possibly. Could be the case, man. Could be the case. Um, but uh, speaking of things that aren't done, Ant, aren't done, uh, the Niners... Playoffs, not the end goal, not the end goal. And, uh, and your kicker, Robbie Gold, golden leg, hasn't been as golden the last couple no, of weeks. He, he's been doing an acres impersonation. No, he really bit. has. It's yeah. not. It's not good. Uh, but he's typically been gold, and he's been golden, and he had some golden comments. And because uh, Robbie Gold, our kicker, is not satisfied with just a playoff run, um, that's not what he's here for. And he's not here for participation trophies, as he put it. Um, he said, as a father of three kids. You know, I'm, I'm not about that participation ribbon. It's not about just getting into the dance for us and for me. It's about Super Bowl. You know, you walk into this building in San Francisco uh, every day for practice, for treatment, for films, whatever it is that you're going in there for, and you walk by a trophy case with five Super Bowl trophies. So there is a standard here. There is an idea here. There is a goal here in mind, and that goal is not make the playoffs. That goal is win Super Bowls. Yeah, I think so, especially with 2019, the way it played out. Uh, the 49ers know what it what it means to get to a Super Bowl in San Francisco. The problem is they didn't win. 
Uh, and it's been a little bit of a far cry from what you saw from the early 80s and 90s, where the, every time the Niners went to the Super Bowl, they won. They're kind of on a losing streak now. 0-2 um, in the 2000s, they haven't been able to get it done. And I think though this is the sentiment that is always in San Francisco. And I think this is a good sign for the mindset of the football team and the franchise moving forward, is anything short of a Super Bowl victory is not good enough. Um, when you settle and you're happy with getting to the playoffs or you're happy with one playoff win, uh, your expectations aren't good enough. You need to go in there and try to win a Super Bowl every year. I mean, people can say those are unrealistic expectations, and that's fine. But everyone who who plays and everyone who's coached and been a, a part of a program knows that it, when you get to the the point where it is win a Super Bowl or bust, um, you know that you finally reached you know the level that you want to be in because you're a competitive football team week in and week out, year in and year out, and you're one of those teams that is elite. Um, and that's the mindset you want to have. If you're one of those teams. You know, that's just trying to win football games to not be, you know, the bottom of the basement, or you're just trying to make playoffs. Your franchise is not a level that you need to be at to be a Super Bowl caliber team every year. Um, so I think this is a good sign for the 49ers. And I think Robbie Gold is speaking to, you know, kind of the energy in the locker room. And the energy in the locker room is important, especially now. So six and six uh, may be the record, but that's definitely not the mindset. And we've said it a thousand times here. Once you get into the playoffs, <clears throat> it's a new season. Anything can happen in the playoffs. An eight and eight New York Giants team can go to the Super Bowl. Sure. Um, anything and, can and, happen. And win. And win a Super Bowl. Oh, 100%. And beat one of the best teams, you know, there was. Ever. Yeah. And one of the best quarterbacks there was. Ever. So just getting there is is what it's about. And then recipe for winning there is running the football. Shocking. The 49ers do that. Converting on third downs. 49ers have been doing that. And playing good defense. The problem right now the 49ers need to clean up is the turnovers. And if they do that, they can be dangerous in the playoffs. What we saw the previous weeks was a dangerous football team. What we saw last week was not a dangerous football team. Um, but you only have to be dangerous, you know, in the playoffs. Let's hope they can get dangerous again. Uh, I agree with you, Ant. And and listen, Gold agrees with you as well. Um, he talked about in his comments, what's left is a five-game season. That's mm -hmm. what the Niners have. They have a five-game season. You're zero and zero. You have five games left. Go win more of those games than you lose, and you're going to put yourself in prime position to get out of this thing and get into the playoffs where you want to be. Um, and then, you know, you can kind of refigure it out from there. Like you talked about, you get into playoffs, and now it's a whole new season and a whole new goal in mind. Um, but, no, he, he, he's very confident in this team. Um, he talked about how, you know, the, this, this team has done one thing really well when they've won football games and a few things really bad when they haven't won football games. When they win football games, it's really good complimentary football. And when they lose football games, it's self-inflicted mistakes and lack of execution. Um, and he talked about that this last weekend. He, he has talked about this team has been predicated under Kyle Shanahan and of bouncing back from tough losses. That is what they've done. Now, early in the season, we had a string of them and we didn't bounce back, but we did figure it out in a big way. And yes, after the string of them, we did put together a string of wins. Um, you won four or five and got yourself right back into the playoff conversation. You just had a tough loss against Seattle. It's time to bounce back again against a very young, hungry, and a gritty opponent in the in the Cincinnati Bengals who are looking to assert themselves in the AFC playoff picture. Um, and they were a team that a lot of people thought would have an opportunity to make the playoffs this year. Second-year quarterback, a lot of new pieces, didn't really improve the O-line too drastically. Um, you know, can they really compete? And they've done a great job of it so far. They've, they have done an amazing job of not only being competitive, but being a very high-powered offense and being a defense that can get stops and create turnovers when they need to. So the 49ers are going to have a test this week. They definitely are. But if Robbie Gold's comments are an, an indication of where the mindset is of the entire locker room, and I have a feeling they, they probably are because this is a guy who's been in this locker room now for some time. He's a vet in this league, and he has a lot of confidence in Kyle and a lot of confidence in Jimmy. If he's feeling that way, 
if he's feeling that way, the rest of the locker room is also. Yeah, super confidence in Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. True. Um, whenever you call somebody one of the greatest, if not the greatest play caller in the history of the NFL, I would say you have a lot of confidence in that person. And he says that when Jimmy and Kyle are on the same page, that you know we all we have a lot of faith in them. And I think that's what it's about. We, they know that when Jimmy Garoppolo is on target, um, more of what we saw, you know, a couple weeks ago compared to what we've seen over the last couple weeks. Um, you know, it's just like that stretch where they have like three really great games. Mm-hmm. I think it, when Jimmy's playing at that level, uh, I, I think he's fantastic. Now, the one thing I will say is, did Jimmy make mistakes in this game? Yes, he did. 10,000%, um, yes. But one thing I'm going to say is some of the some of the video that we're seeing on Twitter where people are breaking down plays and they're calling out Jimmy for missing wide-open receivers. Listen, when Jimmy Garoppolo misses a wide-open receiver by hitting a wide-open receiver... That's not missing a wide-open receiver. It's not missing a wide-open receiver. It's called, just because it's, it's not the... It's called a choice. Yeah, it's not... The receiver you wanted him to go to, he didn't go to. That's okay. Um, you just want to get the completion. And whenever it turns into a positive gain, especially a first down, let's not criticize those. Let's criticize the ones where he throws to George Kittle over the top and it gets intercepted when he had, you know, Trent Shurfield wide open on a corner route. Let's focus on those and let's not be critical of plays we don't have to be critical about. I think it's, it's let's be objective about this. And I think that if we are, we're going to say that, you know what, did Jimmy have a bad game? Yes. Did he make mistakes? Yes. But can we still win football games with Jimmy Garoppolo? Yes. Uh, accurate, Ant. Very much, you very much can. Um, Jimmy has shown that. Um, Jimmy can be that for this team. He can be the stabilizing force that they need him to be. But he has to consistently be that now, the rest of the way. Um, the last few weeks, we've seen him kind of faltering back into the older, not the older Jimmy Garoppolo, but a Jimmy Garoppolo that's prone to make some poor decisions and poor decisions at the wrong time. The manager are driving, things are fluid, you know, things are going San Francisco's way, or early in football games when you need things to go San Francisco's way and he sets the Niners back a little bit. Um, he just needs to buckle down a little bit and make some sounder decisions and be more careful with the football. And if he can do that, we're going to get right back into the driver's seat of, of where we were just a few short weeks ago. Do you think Do you think Jimmy is, I know, because I mean, when we watched Minnesota, remember one of the things I said was that he just looked like he was stressed in his face. I think he's stressed. Yeah, but when Jimmy was playing so good, like against the Bears, and it just looked like he was playing free with nothing to lose. Like, I'm just going to go out here and just let it spin. Um, and now that they've gotten back into contention, it's almost like his butthole went, and he's like super worried about it now. And I'm wondering if Jimmy needs to go back to being more of the gunslinger and just let hey, it roll. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I think now that you're back to six and six, I think he can go back to that. You think he can, or is he going to feel the pressure? No, I, I think he's, I think. With him, the Niners were rolling so well at that point. And, you know, we went from not going to make a playoffs, fire everybody, get rid of Jimmy, to this team may be a Super Bowl contender. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, you know what? My back was against the wall, but now I've played myself completely off the wall. And now it feels like we're the front runners and I can do no wrong. And so then then things get a little wonky for him, right? Like it's you're playing from without that pressure behind you. You're not back against the wall. You lose this game, you drop back to six and six. I think Jimmy now is it's going to come back into this realization, right back down to earth. This realization of no matter what happens, whether we win, whether we lose, we could win five straight. We could win out the rest of the way, losing the first round of the playoffs, and I'll be the worst thing, worst thing in the world. People are going to call for my head. I can't get it done. Uh, you know, I'm just not capable. I'm not good enough. I think now he just realizes no, just my back is perennially like perennially the rest of the way throughout my career is going to be back against the wall. I will never be able to do fully enough in order for people to to lay off. And I think Jimmy needs to play that way. 
um, you know, we always talk about the great ones. They have that edge, right? They got that just that thing about them that just won't quit. Um, nothing's ever good enough, never enough. Um, and they're always trying to prove something. Tom is that way, right? Like everything, everything is about proving something, even though you've won more Super Bowls than anybody. You've been to more Super Bowls than everybody. Um, very few people would not put you in the conversation for greatest of all time in the quarterback position and one of the greatest players in the history of the NFL. And yet something still drives him. Jimmy just needs to find what that is. And you know what? If it's people are going to hate you no matter what, people are going to consistently doubt you no matter how well you do or how, how many games you win, how far you take football teams, um, you know, how, no matter how coveted you are. If he just can wrap his head around that and be like, you know what? It'll never be good enough for anybody. So it's time to consistently, daily, weekly, game, game in, game at season for the rest of my career. Just go shut, every, go shut everybody up, knowing that anytime I slip up, it's going to come back full force at me. He's going to be fine. He'll have a long, successful rest of his playing career. Yeah, you're right. I think he needs to take on the, the John Cena mindset. It's like, I'm going to get booed and I'm going to get cheered. No matter what, there's going to be half of this. Always going to be 50-50. Half of them are going to hate me. Half of them are going to love me, no matter what I do. And it's not his fault. It really isn't his fault. This is a symptom of Tom Brady. It's a symptom of him being the guy behind Brady. The guy who got moved because Whoa. Brady wanted him moved. The guy that Kyle Shanahan chose over Tom Brady. Brady has literally followed him everywhere. Brady leaving New England, wanting to come to San Francisco, and that whole sh that whole debacle that happened has followed him here now to San Francisco. He's never going to live it. Like he's never going to outlive it. He's never going to fully get away from it. He just needs to embrace it. Well, I, I think that is part of it, but I think also he's in San Francisco, where quarterback play is a, at a premium, and everyone saw Joe Montana and Steve Young and thinks that Hall of Famers just show up. Um, and they were expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to be their Hall of Famer. Well, and they're, they're just stunned. They can't wrap their head around the fact why Trey Lance isn't a Hall of Famer right now. Well, I mean, but the <laughs> expectation for Trey Lance is going to be Hall of Oh, Famer. I'm aware. Uh, oh, he, I, listen, that's for some... I mean, think about, the, think about the Super Bowl commercial, right? It's Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Jimmy Garoppolo is there, you know, carrying their bags. And it's like, not yet, kid. Um, that sure. is literally how people see everything in San Francisco as far as quarterback position. Because I'm I'm one of those ones that I was spoiled to it. When we got Jeff Garcia, I was like, Jeff Garcia? Like this guy ain't Steve Young. And See, this is this is and this is so crazy to me because there's such it's such a different perspective. Because it wasn't until I got older and could go back and watch like actually watch games and understand what was going on with football to understand how great Joe was and understand how great Steve was, and then understand that while Jeff Garcia a quarterback that I spent a lot of time with growing up, uh -huh. I thought was the greatest thing since sliced bread coming up. Oh, man. Steve was my favorite quarterback of all time. Like yeah. he was my favorite 49er. But I was always baffled by why people weren't like always behind Jeff Garcia. It just didn't make sense. I couldn't wrap my head around it, Ant. I'll tell you and a it's, true story. It's because about I didn't Garcia. I didn't spend enough I didn't spend enough time with right. Steve, right? I, I got I mean by the time I could remember football, I was seven years old. Steve is He's at the end. Yeah. He's he's at the end. He's getting ready to ride off into the sunset. So I got a heavy dose of Jeff Garcia. I grew up watching Joe Montana. Like, literally, his heyday is me growing up. Correct. Um, so I loved everything that was Joe. And I had a, a problem with the the transition to Steve and how it was trying to be forced. 100%. Even as a young kid. Like, I, I did. I, I struggled with it because I love Joe. Um, But I knew how good Steve was, and you could see it. I mean, Steve was at least a very good player. So when everyone left with Joe, I didn't. I'm a 49er guy. So I stayed with Steve, and I was very appreciative of how Steve played. I thought he played fantastic in those years. 
But with Jeff Garcia, the thing that was different from Jeff compared to Montana and Young, and I'll say Jeff Garcia was a very serviceable quarterback, a pretty good one, in fact. He, he, uh, he just can't match up to those two guys for sure. He, in a lot of places, in a lot of other organizations who haven't had Hall of Fame quarterbacks, he'd be one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played in their organization. Oh, yeah, 100%. But in, in San Francisco, that doesn't meet up. No. And part of the reason was, I don't know if anyone else watching this goes through this, but when Jeff Garcia would throw the football, every time I would cringe and go, oh, my God, is this intercepted? Like, that was the feeling every single time. And I don't know if it, what it was about Jeff Garcia that did that. I mean, of course, Tim Mertay and all those guys did that for me, too. Yeah. Alex Smith for a long time, um, same thing. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't have that feeling with Jimmy Garoppolo, which is strange because I probably should have that feeling. Like, oh, my God, is this one going to be picked? Dude, it's weird. I've gone through that this year. Yeah. Early in the season with all the turmoil in the quarterback position, every time Jimmy throws, I, was just, I, I got this feeling. And then after like five or six games, it all just subsided. I don't know what it was. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but it, it just went away. And I've never felt that way with Jimmy up until the start of this year. And I think a lot of it was just with the uncertainty at that quarterback room. It felt like he was getting ready to break at any point. Like all the pressure was just going to, and he was just going to snap and crumble on the field. Yeah. I mean, I've been pretty confident in, in him, especially recently. I thought that he was really going to get it done. Um, I was so surprised when he threw the pick to Bobby Wagner. Uh, because, oh, I mean, even yeah. though he's prone to do that, I just thought early in this game, the way that they scheme it up, he would locate 54. Like, that is a guy you're going to find, right? You There's... locate 33, the defensive end that's playing around the box, and you locate 54. The one you think, too. Especially quite... if you're going over the middle. Well, if you're going over the middle, too, and you know if you've located Bobby Wagner, the next guy you're going to locate is Quandre Diggs. A guy, again, who picked off, he picked off Tom, he picked off, not Tom, but he picked off Jimmy the first game, and he picked off Jimmy this game well, as well. I mean, Jimmy punted it to him. Yeah. I, I mean, let's be honest. Quandry Diggs did nothing but stand in the center of the field and watch the ball go, you know, three yards over the top of George Kittle's head for an interception. Accurate. Um, if he throws that exact pass about to, 12 to yards tre- to the left, to um, he's still running because Diggs is not where he should be. No. That, literally, that underneath route is covered. You know, he doesn't need to be there. Uh, he he. That's why there's somebody getting smoked. But anyways... Uh, Diggs, you're getting no credit from me. I'm sorry. Jimmy Garoppolo punted that ball to you. He did. Um, and then you wish know, he hadn't. I wish he hadn't too. But you know, if you're gonna miss over the middle, you can't miss high like that. And when you do, it's always an interception. Jimmy, unfortunately, prone to throw high sometimes. But yeah, I mean, I know we went kind of into the weird thing here, but let's also talk about what Kyle Shanahan said about that fourth down play. Everyone was going crazy yeah. about the read option. Why would you call a read option for Jimmy Garoppolo? What a bad call. Uh, it wasn't supposed to be a pull. So I, I had forgotten about the I- illegal snap on uh, Alex, Alex Mack. Mack. And so Jimmy saw it. And when he got the snap, the, the nose tackle had knocked Alex Mack down. So if he gives the ball to Michael Hasty, Michael Hasty gets absolutely eaten for a loss. So he tries to pull and just make something happen, even though he knows that's not a read that he was going to make. So really all it is is a messed up play, a blown play. It's not actually a read option that he was planning to run at all. He was going to give it to Jamichael Hasty on uh, th- on fourth and one. And let him get the yards. Um, that's an interesting call. Uh, I, I'm not a did, huge did Elijah, fan of... Did Elijah Mitchell go... Was I, he down at that point? I think so. I think in any in any other situation, that would have been Jeff Wilson Jr., but he had the knee injury. So when you're when you're going into it, it makes sense to put Jamichael Hasty in a situation to be in the shotgun. Sure. Uh, if you're going to run the football, my question at that point is, do we just put the ball in the, the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo and say, hey, go throw for it? We got George Kittle. We got Brandon Ayuk. Um, you know, let's use them as a decoy and let's throw it to Kyle Yusek or Charlie Warner. 
Possibly. I mean, something, right? You got to do something. Possibly. Um, but he thought he could get the yard with Jermichael Hasty, and putting Jermichael Hasty in the shotgun makes sense. It does. Yeah. It, def- it definitely does. Um, and yeah, I, I completely forgot about that botch snap. Uh, makes me feel a little bit better about the play call. Um, but knowing what what was designed. I mean, Alex Mack is probably not going to get pancaked either if he doesn't have the illegal snap and all that. You got to think they can get the yard. Hope. I mean, I don't really want Jamichael Hasty being we the say, guy running we, that ball. We say that right, and then he can flash back to 2020 and Jamichael Hasty at the goal line getting stuffed. Yeah, I know. But if if he's the only guy, I mean, what else are you supposed? Elijah to do? Mitchell's out. Jeff Wilson Jr.'s emergency only. Um, Trenton Cannon's you, out. You have use chat. You're not going to run that play with Kyle Yuschek. Trey Lance, read option it. No, because the the way the defense is played, Trey Lance is giving that football. Yeah, it's going to be a game. So it doesn't matter if Trey Lance is on the field. They're going to play the exact same way, and you're going to get. It's still going to be Jamichael. They're going to make the you hand the ball off, make you beat them in the on the interior where yeah. they. I mean the Seattle the Seattle Seahawks believe in that front. They believe in that the interior front, and those guys do a fairly good job of not at least not getting blown off the football, which makes Bobby Wagner's job easy. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why he's like one of the best tacklers in the league right now. Accurate. Uh, but Accurate. yeah, I just thought that was interesting though. The Kyle Shannon went into that. Now it makes a lot more sense, and something I wasn't thinking about. And I also wasn't thinking about you because know, in, in the moment I'm like, why are we running this with Jamichael Hasty? Um, but now looking back, now that you know that Jeff Wilson Jr. we didn't know then that he had the injury issues, knee, knee stuff um, going on. Good thing I didn't like tweet about it or something. You know, I know it's a good thing that you waited for more information before jumping to a conclusion and not making an absolute fool of yourself or the podcast. I, I could do that. You could. Yeah. I'll tell you, after after hearing... It's, 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 it's hard not to. Something. It is. I mean, your emotions just go over, Start over the top. Overdrive, yeah. yeah. I mean, when the Niners are playing bad, it's like, what are you doing? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But at least that got cleared up a little bit. True. Um, so I, I, I feel um, more... Unless like, Kyle's just a liar. He's just a liar, liar. Plants for hire. Um, He did a really good job of explaining. If he's a liar, he's very detailed. So um, at least he gets points for that if he is lying. I don't know why he would lie. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you, Ant. Um, liars don't typically spend that much time crafting a narrative, because then you have to remember all the details. Of the I don't narrative. think Kyle Shanahan has has a lying bone in him. So I see. I disagree with you there. Oh, okay. I think he definitely has a lying bone in him, but the lying bones are about game plan, strategy, personnel decisions that he doesn't want people to know about. Are those lies or are those just strategic ploys? Listen, the strategic ploys, Ant. And also be lies. You uh-huh. don't have to separate those two things. I guess you never read The Art of War. I have read The Art of War. I haven't. I have. Oh. It's actually a really good book. I'm sorry. Why are you sorry? You it's can't fin- get that time back. No, I mean, it's wonderful. Oh, it's 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 phenomenal. Are you going to war? I mean, I, I go to war every day with myself. Yeah. Ridiculous. Hey, you gotta be the best version of yourself, man. You gotta know thy enemy. Know thyself. Sounds like some mumbo jumbo to me. Sounds like a bunch of nonsensical <laughs> like voodoo some, magic. Sounds like some Miyagi style stuff. <laughs> <laughs> some voodoo woman named Phyllis, Ant. Yeah. Some voodoo woman named Phyllis. Hopefully I don't run off with Change her. my name to Roberto. <laughs> good, old Robert, good old Roberto. Good old Roberto. Sounds more exotic. I'm your daddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, Aziz is also negotiating Ooh. apparently with the 49ers. This is a rumor. This is not confirmed. Um, but the 49ers apparently have reached out to Aziz and his agent, trying to work out a contract extension and get him locked up here in San Francisco. Um, y- yes. No shock to us. I think we talked about it actually. Uh, we talked about this, I think, last week. Yeah, a little bit last that week. This might we be a good idea. When was the time to start talking, you know, contract extension with Aziz? 
because you have Dre Greenlaw for one more year, so you need to make sure you figure this thing out. Yeah, so this is great. I mean, it, I know it's a rumor, and we can't you know completely say that this is true because well, the Warriors don't have leaks. Um, but maybe the agent for Aziz or somebody that's close to Aziz has kind of put this out there a little bit. Uh, so hopefully this is true because we do need Aziz back. He's been fantastic for the 49ers, and I can't envision this defense without him at this point. No, not at all, and I don't want to envision this defense without him at this point. Yeah. Uh, he needs to be a 49er for for some time, uh, at least for the next three or four years. I'll be, I'll be all good all good with that. Yeah, I would love to keep, keep this core linebacker group together, at least through Fred Warner's contract. That would be great. Agreed with you on that. 100% agreed with you on that, Ant. Um, but that's not the only person, Ant. The contract stuff is coming out about. PFF is starting to put out their uh, predictions and their the PFF values, Ant. And I think it's worth discussing at the very minimum because it gives us here, as well as 49ers fans, an idea of what Lincoln Tomlinson may cost the 49ers if you want to roll with this guy. We floated around the idea of maybe next year you have to move off of him and Daniel Brunskill and you have to roll with the two young men in Jalen Moore and in Aaron Banks. EFF, given a little bit of insight, he currently makes $5.5 million a year. He ranks as the number 21 offensive guard in the NFL per spot track in terms of uh, his contract. So it's 21st in the league. Pro Football Focus has him ranked as the 28th player overall heading into free agency. Top 30. Um, they basically talk about how he can be utilized in any role, you know, in any pretty much system, and he fits everything. He's just... He's the multi-diversional tool. Yeah. You can use him anywhere. Um, they have him projected at three years, $27 million, 16 and a half of which is guaranteed, uh, $9 million a year. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me just say that after hearing these numbers, um, I'm going to sign him. Yeah, I think that I've changed my, my stance on this. Uh, Jalen Moore hasn't, from what I've seen in film, he's not a great run blocker yet, and he was somebody I thought maybe could, could push to play guard. Aaron Banks hasn't found his way on the field yet, even with Daniel Brunskill um, struggling at times. That means that there's still some development there. Uh, you've got a nice chemistry going between um, the left tackle, Trent Williams, and Lakin Tomlinson. I think you want to keep that together. So I think the 49ers go ahead and bring him back. That's less than what Mike McGlinchey is making to play right tackle next season. True. I think that Lakin Tomlinson, they can work out a contract. It won't exactly be $9 million a year. Um, they can work this, you know, maneuver their way around it, being a, a, this, a similar cap hit to what it is now. And then eventually, you know, it, it going up as the cap continues to go up. But to me, that's an affordable number for a player that's played as well as he has and somebody that plays every single game. He has played every single game since he's been in San Francisco. So they trade for him from Minnesota. He comes in and he never misses a game. Durability, being available is something the 49ers need. Um, so 100% I'm signing this guy. If it's three at 27, I'm getting it done. 100%. Yeah, three at 27 is... Uh doesn't feel like a whole heck of a lot. It sounds phenomenal. It sounds really good. It sounds yeah. glorious, and I'm all for it. Um, especially if there are, you know, if, if, the, if the, the Niners are going to start making a shift and you're going to move a guy like Mike McGlinchey inside and put Jalen Moore on the outside in the following season or, you know, go after another guy, go after someone in free agency, draft another piece and try and see what happens, um, then this makes sense. He's allowed one, one, per, oh, no, excuse me, not one, 3.8% of all of his pass rush attempts on him have resulted in quarterback pressures. 3.8 in over 200 snaps. Hey, he's good. That's sick. That's uh, just just over six pressures. Uh, no sacks on the season. And he's available every game. 
He doesn't get hurt. He plays every snap. $27 million over three years feels like not enough money, in all honesty, for that. Yeah, to quote to quote Grant Cohn, sign him today. There you go. There you go. There's 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 always that. Uh, but yeah, Lincoln Tomlinson, <laughs> and, and I was worried. I was worried maybe it was going to cost a little bit more than that. I was thinking maybe like I was, 35. I was worried that, I, I mean, to be honest, I was kind of worried that he was just going to get where he got muscled out because of the money, coupled with the fact these young guys were going to come up and take his spot. But I don't think the young guys have even come close to anywhere near him. where he's playing. Um, yeah. He has been playing fantastic. And I think there is something to say for O-line chemistry, especially if Alex Mack is staying again between Mack, Tomlinson, and, and, and Williams. Yeah. Um, you keep that left side together. Mike McGlinchey, you know, is coming back for at least one more year. And then you're hopeful that it's Aaron Banks that fills that right guard spot uh, next year. Him or, him or Jalen Moore, whoever wins the job, you fill that spot. And then you feel a little bit comfortable about that offensive line. Uh, especially from center to the left. Uh, McGlinchey, we'll see how he bounces back, but he wasn't having a terrible season. No, he, he really he really wasn't. Speaking of that, can we get off the, the Tom Compton hate after last week? Listen, so I I went back and watched game film, man. Yeah. I went back and watched game film last night. I stayed up till like 1 in the morning That's watching it? watching game film. Okay. I, I know. I, I got work, though, and stuff. Yeah, oh. I, other things I have to get done. Heaven forbid. I know. St- stop being an actual adult. Stop being responsible. And contributing to society. How dare I? I hate you. How dare I? Live in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I watched more film. Right. Yeah, no, Tom Compton did not play bad. No, I mean it's it's one. It, I I could I could in my head and like in my mind, I think I found like two or three bad bad plays, and I think one of them was like a situation where he gets tripped up in the interior while he has a guy engaged, right? And then the guy ends up making a play. So I, other than the Tom Compton getting put on his butt in the end zone for the sack uh, for the safety, which is not really on Tom Compton. Because if Travis Benjamin just holds on to the football and puts it in the right hand when he's running on special teams, this doesn't happen, and the 49ers aren't in that position. Um, other than that play, it was uh, another solid performance from Tom Compton. Yeah, and what have we talked about with Tom Compton, right? He's a guy that's a better run blocker than pass blocker. You put him into an obvious pass down where it's third and long, he's going to struggle. You know who else does that? Mike McGlinchey. Um, these are situations the 49ers can't afford to put their offensive linemen into. Kyle Shanahan knows that they bring in these players for for a certain reason because they value the run game over the pass game. Tom Compton played very well. An 81 PFF rating is very good. Um, but I just went with the eye test. I knew that in this game, to me, he didn't look like he was the one that was struggling the most. It looked like it was Daniel Brunskill that had the, the most the most fault. Um, and so I don't understand why people are are hating him so much. The only thing I can think is that they really want Jalen Moore to start. Which I understand. I was on this podcast saying I would roll with Jalen Moore as a young guy if these guys are even equal because I want to see him out there. I want to see what he can do. But the fact that Tom Compton beat him out, they gave them both a fair shake. And Tom Compton Dude, Jay, won. I, I would say Jalen Moore got more opportunities than Tom Compton. Yeah. I mean, think back to the, the first half of, of oh, what game was it? With the 49ers. Oh, it was the Jacksonville game. Yeah. The Jacksonville game where Jalen Moore in two drives the Niners had 40 plays or something like that run I mean the 49ers ended up running like 20 something plays in the second half Jalen Moore got twice the amount of run as Tom Compton did in that game and it still is not enough to to take over for Tom Compton yeah I mean the thing is right you're in a playoff competition the best player is going to play the one thing that's been clear and this is something that happened this is something that um people criticize you know the 49ers for playing veteran players over rookies but no one criticized when Pete Carroll did this in Seattle. Remember when he just played the best player. Russell Wilson was the best quarterback he played. 
Um, it didn't matter who they brought. If they brought in a veteran and they were better than one of the rookies, they played. It didn't matter. The competition is what it's all about. The 49ers are trying to breed that here, but it's all about the best player playing. You know when those rookies are going to play? When they're the best player available. Um, Tom Compton, does he deserve criticism on some things? Absolutely. But when he plays well, let's praise him for his good plays. Let's criticize him for the other ones. And let's keep it, you know, let's keep that observation down the line. Um, it's the same things with, that we get with Jimmy Garoppolo as well. Don't don't get caught up in the fact that other people are saying Tom Compton played bad. Go back and watch the film and tell me Tom Compton didn't have a serviceable right tackle game. He 100% did. He did good enough for the 49ers to win this football game. In fact, I believe he actually um, was, the, he was the second highest ranked lineman on the yep. 49ers behind Trent Williams and two points behind Trent Williams. That's how good he played in this game. But if you hear the narratives coming from like Twitter and all that, it's that Tom Compton really struggled in this football game, and that's just not true. No, he did the opposite of struggle. He played phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it doesn't get any easier than that. And, and look, th this is for you and me. This is, this is why this stuff is frustrating, because we both coached. Yeah. A, we, we both coached and held ourselves to a very high level. Um, you know, we, we prepare, we do these types of things, and you don't make decisions based on emotion. You make decisions based on facts and reality. Who's the best player? Who is playing the best? Who passes the eye test? Who has the biggest yeah. impact on the field? You may have two guys doing very good jobs, right? They're almost even in every way. But one guy makes the big blocks, right, and sets things up and is making a block and then getting up and sealing off another guy and taking a good play and turning it into a great play. And one guy is just doing his job at a really ridiculously high level, but it's not like elevate... You're not going to roll with the guy who isn't springing the big place. You're going to roll with the guy who's doing that extra little bit that the other guy's not doing. They may both be playing phenomenal and out of their mind. And you may be sitting there going, I got to find a way to get both of these guys on the field to block. You may have your packages and formations in order to accomplish that, but you're going to put the best player in. Right, 100%. Bill Belichick did this with Tom Brady. They had the $100 million quarterback in Drew Bledsoe. Tom went in and started showing things. And Bill realized, hey, there's something here. This kid's just smart on the same page. He understands what I'm seeing and doing it at a high level. And so he kept rolling with it, kept rolling with it. And there was an extended period of time where Drew was out. Mm -hmm. And the more Brady played, the more he showed what he could be. And eventually, Bill's sitting there going, well, can, can I play the, the, the dude who you know, is a skinny little twig who's making peanuts and not play my $100 million quarterback? Can I do that? And the more Brady played and the more Brady put on film, the more he realized, I kind of have to, mm -hmm. right? I kind of have to play him. If I don't, I'm an idiot. Now, very rare situation where you have that, like those extremes, right? The, the franchise quarterback, the guy you took first overall and Drew Bledsoe or Tom Brady coming up on, on, underneath. That, that very rarely happens as a coach where you have those decisions. But even coaches like Bill Belichick make the best decision for the football team. And people, I remember, I remember the, the, the narratives, right? The narratives that were going on when Bill Belichick made that decision. You know, he's lost the locker room. There's this nonsense. This is a terrible decision. This doesn't even make sense. Bill was going to find himself out of a job. Well, Bill Belichick is now one of the greatest coaches in the history of the league behind, you know, Bill Walsh and a handful of other guys. Tom Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Coaches who are making decisions based on what's best for the football team, Ant, typically, typically end up doing the right thing and end up being in places for a very, very long time. Usually how it works. 
guys who make decisions based on what the owner tells them, what the media is saying, what the fans are clamoring for, typically find themselves out of a job in a few years. Oh, 100%. I think a similar situation um, with a little bit different parameters is Seattle. That's why I brought it up earlier with Flynn going in there as a big Correct. overpriced free agent and Russell Wilson showing up on the scene. It's like, wait, why did we sign this guy? Because we got Russell Wilson now. But Pete, Conver- Pete Carroll's conviction to go with what is there. Um, Kyle Shanahan and Coach Forster are doing the same thing with Tom Compton. Uh, they decided that the run game and the, the attitude and the, the blueprint that they had put forth, that they were going to be a bully ball team and they're going to run the football down people's throats. If Tom Compton's a better run blocker, and that is the decision you've made with this football team that you're going to be running first, you put the best run blocker out there. Um, Jalen Moore is a better pass blocker. That's not even a question. But this team is predicated on the run. Um, so you play Tom Compton, you, you use his skill set, and he's played admirably. And I think that we need to congratulate him on stepping up and playing um, you know, a, a tough game and playing a, playing pretty good overall. Uh, when he when he needs to be criticized or when he needs to, you know, when he makes bad plays, 100%, we should call him out. Um, but when he makes good plays and he plays good games, he should be praised for doing so. Um, and he shouldn't be just called out because you want the player behind him to play. Shouldn't be how it is, Ant, but sometimes, unfortunately... Uh, no, it people, always is like that. No, well, people's emotions get the best of them and they... Rather than allowing themselves to see reality and what's actually going on and see the truth, they want to see what they want to see. And the only way that they can see that, right, is to get the guy who's standing in the way and preventing them from seeing it um, from, from doing that. I, you know, I honestly 100% believe, too, that every one of us can watch the football game and see it entirely different. Um, God, I, I, you know what? You're right. Yeah. And I hate the fact that you're right. Yeah, everyone, everyone sees it entirely different. <clears throat> everyone's viewpoint is valid. It's just like it's just one of those things where I'm trying to point out what the way we see it, and then like, but yeah, it is. I mean, we can literally watch the same game. You've coached, I've coached, you know, horses coached. Bro, we've we can watched, watch it, and we all see it differently. We've watched film of the same game and come away with two different interpretations 100%. of of what went wrong and how to fix it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, everyone sees it differently. Correct. Um, we're going on our point, but I'm just saying, just. I mean, when, whenever you get somebody, just whenever you see somebody say somebody played a good game, go back and go back and watch. When you, see I never take say, it. Yeah, don't take that at face value. Yeah, don't. Take, not with the grin. Like even us right now, we're telling you Tom Compton played great, and I'm telling you I stayed up till one watching film. Go watch it yourself. Yeah, go watch it yourself, and then come back with your interpretations and why you feel the way. Well, you that's feel. why in the reaction show you were kind of down on Compton for the last play. I was, and I said, did he really play that bad? I was kind of like, well, see, I was down, I, I was I down on something. Tom. I was down on Tom because of the safety, because yeah. I felt like that safety changed the entire yeah. shift of the football game. And then the minute you said that, I caught myself for a second. I was like, you're right. You're kind of right. I'm focused on one thing right now, and I can't tell you another bad play. I literally can't tell you another bad one. Because even the one where he gets walked back by Dunlap, he doesn't get walked back. He gets pushed in a little bit by Dunlap, and Dunlap's able to basically just create space. That's all Dunlap does. He uses the big arms to create space so he can get up. Even on that, I'm like, I sit there, I sat there and thought about that, and I was like, yeah, you didn't really walk him back. He just got separation. Yeah, with current NFL rules, you're not allowed to get the player's hands down like you used to be able to. Correct. Um, it's a, it's a different world. I mean, this isn't this isn't the the same way you could play it in the old NFL. In the old NFL, on that sort of play, he would have been on the ground, one hundred percent. Even when I played in in high school, when we ran those type of plays, we put a player on the ground. We'd block him up top real quick, and then bam, cut him. Uh, everything was about getting those hands down. You're not allowed to do some of those things in the NFL as much. Now he could have went down and got him. The problem is if Dunlap doesn't go to the ground, 
Well, Jimmy's got an even tougher. Jimmy's roommate. gonna get eaten. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's 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 hard. I mean, in that situation, you're going against somebody that is a pretty good pass rusher, uh, and you're alone on your own on an island, and you only give up a little bit of ground. Jimmy had the room to throw the football. He just got his hands up in time. Just uh, just a fingertip, Ant. Just yeah. for a second. Good play. It was. It was great. It, it was, was a great play, play from from Dunlap. Yeah. Um. It's unfortunate for the 49ers, but hey, he can't always roll your way. Cutback crew, let us know what you thought about all of this wonderful information that we talked about today. And if you want even more, there's more content coming out daily over on Patreon, whether that's all 22 film breakdowns, wonderful episodes of Big Yikes, which are absolutely hilarious, and even, even 49ers Cutback Madden League, which is heating up and getting hot. Uh, more episodes coming out today, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Or if you just want to watch Madden and you don't care about any of the other things I just said, you can always become a channel member here on YouTube, um, $5.99 a month, and you get those Madden gameplays as well in its entirety with commentary, so it's a lot of fun. Some trash talking as well is always a good time. Uh, no, tons of tons of great ways to interact with the Cutback Crew, Ant, and I'm really excited about what uh, today's practice has in store. Yeah, and you know, go back and, and watch some of the Season 1 of 40 Hours Cutback in Time. Uh, it's been on a, it's, it's a little break, but it's going to be returning for season two pretty soon. Um, however, you can go back and watch those, but those are only available on Patreon. So head over there. But yeah, the Maddens are, are heating up and the Patreon people are watching those in, in a big way. Sure. And a lot of the Go Tier members are the, are the reason why we, we really appreciate the Go Tier members that really help us do what we do. And more original content is going to be coming down the line, whether that's on Patreon or right here on YouTube. Um, all of it you can be a part of. Uh, so just, you know, if you want to sign up, sign up. If you don't, that's fine. We're going to put out. Tremendous amounts of content that are absolutely free. Um, like, share, comment, do all that good stuff, and just get involved in the conversation. We love hearing from you. 100%. Season one of the 49ers Cutback Ant was a, about 300 episodes of uh, videos. Uh, season two, been a lot more than 300 episodes. I mean, we've essentially, I think, doubled doubled our content production, and we're not even, not even in December, or like fully through December yeah. yet, which is absolutely crazy. Yeah, we're on, we're on definite uh, episode overload. Um, we've been putting it out in a big way. Um, and we've got, you know, five or six more weeks of the regular season. And then we got some playoff content that will be headed your way. The 49ers will make the playoffs. Um, how far we go, I don't know. But this is going to be an exciting time for the 49ers. Let's see if, if they can make a push or they can figure this thing out and get to the Bengals. Um, and then, you know what? When the season is over, you get to get a lot more 49ers cutback. Um, off-season content, but more original content as well. Oh, tons of original content because you uh, don't have as much team to cover, and we have more free time, which means more creativity, <laughs> more new things coming your way, yeah. and lots of things hopefully that can carry over into Season 3, which will always be a blast. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We're still right in the thick of Season 2, mm -hmm. and we cannot thank our GOAT tier members enough. We cannot thank you, the Cutback Crew, and everyone subscribed over here on YouTube, listening to us on our traditional podcast platforms. Thank you all so much for your support. We really appreciate it. We'll see you for tomorrow's daily. And until then, stay safe. Remember the right way is always the 49ers way.